Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're kicking off our long-awaited Chris Tucker series on our 50th episode, over 50 episodes ago. We promised that we would eventually do a series on Chris Tucker to really appreciate the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Tucker. And we're finally doing it and we're kicking off our series today with our first movie uh, that Chris Tucker stars in, Rush Hour. Is that a problem, officer? No problem. Just Rush Hour. This is an American action, mystery, crime, buddy cop comedy. Directed by Brett Ratner. The cast includes the drunken master, Chris, Chris Tucker, Tucker, Mirage, Nice Guy Eddie, Miles Strom, TV's, Bear, TV's Barry Shabaka Henley, and the author from Grand Budapest Hotel. I watched this movie on Amazon Prime Video. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on YouTube. I usually enjoy Amazon Prime Video because of the added x-ray feature where they give you interesting behind the scenes and trivia. And, you know, on occasion, uh, notable inconsistencies within the film. Sure. But, it, which is usually a good thing. And I did find some interesting trivia in there. But this movie, they really went overboard with pointing out inconsistencies that are almost totally unnoticeable. <laughs> where I would sit there and I'd read it and be like, huh, I don't care. Like, there'd be like one that's like, in this scene, a bullet hits this wall. And in the next scene, you can't see the bullet hole anymore. And oh, I'm like, my God. But the camera pans over that wall for like half a second. So it's like, this is not important. And it... it, it it really reached a breaking point where I was like, I'm not even going to read these anymore. Who because... wrote these x-rays? CinemaSins? Exactly. Exa that's how I felt. And it's this is the first movie where I've seen it like that. I mean, you can make the arguments like, well, blame Rush Hour for having the inconsistencies. Uh, but one thing it did illuminate for me is they clearly filmed this movie in like a lot of different parts. Like they, they definitely came back to scenes and like filmed extra like action for them. Um, yeah, like yeah. there's like one thing is like in the final scene, Jackie Chan's suspenders go from being uh, Y in the back to being X in the back. Hmm. And it's like, okay, I don't care. But <laughs> the reason they did that is because there were, they had to go back and add extra fight scenes to Jackie Chan because uh, a focus group said that the movie needed more of them. So anyways. Yeah, usually I'm not a fan of when focus groups add their opinions to movies, but their, their, their opinion was, we need more Jackie Chan fight scenes. And I agree with that. That is a good opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Joey, why don't you give us the synopsis for Rush Hour? Things go from bad to worse when a diplomat's daughter gets caught by in Rush Hour traffic. That's Rush Hour. Let's get right into it with our pros and our cons. Joey, what did you like about Rush Hour? It's funny. Um, it's engaging, fun, cool. All of the things you want out of an action movie. Tucker and Chan's relationship is really solid. And Chris Tucker is just so much fun to watch. And Jackie Chan's stunts are just out of this world. What about you? What do you like about this movie? I totally agree. Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan are great on screen together. Tucker's dialogue and mannerisms are hilarious. 
Chan's stunts are jaw-dropping. There's a lot of solid action and comedy throughout this movie, uh, and it's lighthearted fun. It never This movie just basically never takes itself too seriously, um, and there's a positive message about mixing culture in there. You know, it's kind of like, we come from different worlds, but we're not too different, you and I. Um, <laughs> uh, now, now let's talk about cons. What didn't you like about Rush Hour, Joey? Um, maybe I just didn't understand, but what was Jun Tao's plan exactly? Um, like he was going to steal the, his friend or his ex friend's daughter so that he could steal the art back or like he wanted $70 million, but he seemed like a rich guy. Like, does he really need that much money? And like, isn't there another way he could steal that from someone like being a rich British guy than like, like ransom? (laughs) Well, the way I understood it was like, he was trying to get payback for the fact that all that art got stolen from him like he he wanted all so that he's stuff. gonna so he wants the money yeah he wanted like, the money yeah so now and you he have to, to pay put, for it and he wanted to put what's his name through uh like a, a traumatic experience yes. and his daughter <laughs> yeah. potentially you know? killing his daughter in the process right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely seems measured oh <laughs> um, yeah anyway um and i was also like a little confused about like what chris tucker's strategy was as a cop like but I keep calling him. Chris, I think I call him Chris Tucker throughout all these movies because it's really hard to see him as anything other than Chris Tucker. His yeah, name no, is I think Carter. It's, I think it's totally the, fine. His yeah. character's name is Carter in the movie. But what was his? Like, did they succeed because he was a good cop? Like, well, like he, you know, he's he like has all these connections, I guess, in like the the underworld of L.A. in a way. But like, you know, he didn't. You didn't see him doing a lot of like, you know, detective work or like trying to. Uh, um, like figure out what things were. He just kind of like barged into situations and it kind of like worked out most of the time. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure. And then, um, it, yeah, it did seem more like dumb luck. And then <laughs> the sound effects of this movie are, I don't know if I want to put that in the cons or the pros because <laughs> they were honestly hilarious, but they were also a little distracting. Just like the constant, just like every hit was like a was like a super powerful, you know, whip crack basically. Um, that was pretty fun. Um, what about uh, you? So yeah, for cons for me, I think that this plot is average at best. Um, I was actually it's been a while since I've seen Rush Hour one, and I remember thinking it was a better movie as far as like <laughs> actually like just solid critical analysis of a plot goes. Uh, so that for me was a little bit underwhelming. And I also felt like the the finish is super anticlimactic. This movie mm-hmm. has so much action and good stuff in it that it, it was just disappointing that the, you know, when they win, when they solve the, the, the main problem of the movie, that it's not the most memorable part of the movie you know and and i felt like they set it up to be a really climactic finish but then it, it kind of underwhelms and we'll get into that a little bit more you know does, oh, uh, yeah did uh i haven't seen um rush hour one, two or three so does Juntao survive does he come back to the other ones uh I, it's been so long since i've seen it the other two i don't think so though i'm pretty sure it's all new guys um but it's I, I still feel like they had an opportunity to do something extra action packed, but I, I, I do, I do want to um, spend a little bit more time on that in the overall section. And let's get go ahead into that. So Joey, take it away. Um, Rush Hour really knows what it is. It's a lighthearted buddy comedy with some great lines, some great action, and some stunts done by one of film's greatest martial arts stars. And Jackie Chan is just so much fun to watch. He's agile and quick. 
and he constantly does doing he's doing so much with his body all the time. He brings a level of physical comedy that is simply unmatched in basically for any other actor. It's beyond just great martial arts and cinematic fighting, um, although that is top notch. Is the constant tie back to the story, the constant reaching and grasping for ways to make it look more desperate, more intense, high stakes. It's it's really fun, and Chris Tucker is similarly uh, also great. I wouldn't necessarily call Chris Tucker a great actor. But it's he's so much fun to watch on screen, um, and he he brings you into the movie just because you love seeing him do his stuff. Yes, <laughs> he's he's so emotive, he's flexible, and he talks so fast, and he brings just this energy that's so wacky and full of life, and just lights up the whole room that he's in every time he's in it. No, I I totally uh, agree. Like when you said earlier, you're like I'm gonna keep calling him Chris Tucker throughout this movie. It like. That's totally fine because I feel like he <laughs> plays Chris Tucker in this movie. Like he, like one of the things I found out about him in this movie is that he's improvising a lot of it. Yes, um, which is really I, I don't know. I think it's it takes away something about an actor who is making it up, but it also adds something when that when those lines come out really good. Uh, so I. I I didn't know that about Chris Tucker. I thought that was really interesting. But I don't know. The way I look at Chris Tucker is he's like, he's got this transcendent energy that you simply can't control or contain. You know, you just point him in the right direction and you watch him do his thing. And and this is definitely an example of that here in uh, in Rush Hour. Yeah. And I think the movie matches that energy too. Like that's the thing that's really great about this is it it feels like it's built around Chris Tucker. Um, and it never, because it never takes itself too seriously. You're never super worried about Sue Young, um, the the diplomat's daughter, and you, there's no there's no like, you know, threats of her losing fingers or like some gruesome torture or something. You know, if they had captured the diplomat, then there would be scenes of him being tortured or something right. in between. But that's not what happens. It's just a little girl, and like they they just say they're gonna blow her up, which like you know is violent, but it's also like. You think about it, kind of clean in a way, like yeah, one big explosion and then that's it. Like, well, and it's also yeah. not going to happen. You know that, right. like in a movie like this, it, it's like them saying we're going to blow up the world. It's like okay, well, obviously they're going to stop. You. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so I think that that consistency and tone is really what sells the movie to the audience and really what actually brings you in. If if it had like, I think that's the difference between this movie and something like Beetlejuice, where they were so consistently like telling this slow paced like family story and then they bring in Beetlejuice and he's just so freaking wacky that it almost brings you totally out of it. <laughs> this movie is built around your wacky character. He he's not as wacky as Beetlejuice necessarily, but he is different he's kind of wacky. Gr- he's he's still grounded in this world, but he's so like outside of it at the same time. And yeah, I, there's nothing really that like remarkable about the sim- cinematography except for like the static long shots where they're watching Chan on screen. Do you kind of linger on him just to make sure you understand the risk that he's undertaking with each of the stunts? But even so, like the mystery, the unique locations, the great characters you meet along the way, it builds up a world that's compelling and makes you want to see it to the end. Um, yeah, I, I think that's like can, I think there's a lot to be said about doing something very competently like they do for this. Yeah, I and, I, and taking those pieces together and making it work in a way that's seamless. No, I totally agree with that. Like they this movie is kind of just a uh like it really leans into the fact that they have these stars who are basically carrying this movie on their own and they the they 
I don't know. They, they allow them to do everything that they need to. They just kind of provide a place for them to do that and a, a plot for them to exist within. Um, mm-hmm. And then they just allow Chris Tucker especially, but also Jackie Chan to kind of soak up the spotlight, you know, where they give Chris Tucker an opportunity to be hilarious with his dialogue and mannerisms. On the, uh, in the other you know case, they'll allow uh, Jackie Chan an opportunity to use his parkour skills or, you know, a bunch of goons that he can beat up with, you know, whatever's in his environment. Um, so the movie knows what it is and it leans into that. Yeah. And I think that's that's such a good point. Like, they're like, okay, almost like they started with the ending, right? We want to bring Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan into the same movie. How do we do that? And and the plot is, is good enough that that works perfectly because it's like, oh, how do we get them in the same room? And and like, they spend a lot of time building that up so it makes sense. And at that point, like, you're done because now they have this relationship and now you can make sequels and it doesn't have to make sense of why they're together. Yes, you know? yes. Because they had this adventure together before. That is so exactly, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, okay, so while we're talking about the plot, I, I do have a little spiel I want to go on about the plot. So, like, okay. like I said earlier, I think that the plot of this movie is standard fare, which I do look at as kind of a um, problem or, like, kind of a con. Like, I mean... Like, first off, can you even have a buddy cop movie if one of the cops doesn't say, I work alone? <laughs> like, <laughs> if I had never seen Rush no. Hour before, if I had never even heard of Rush Hour or seen, like, if somebody just, I had never heard of Chris Tucker and I was just locked in a room watching this movie, I would know immediately that there's going to be a buddy cop aspect when he says that, you know, when he starts going off about how he can't work with anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it, beyond that, it hits all the common chords of buddy cop films. Like they don't get along at first. Then like they're told to stay away from the case and let the pros handle it. But then the pros are inept and our heroes are the ones who are making real progress. Then right as they're about to make a huge discovery, that something that's going to really turn the case around. Something goes wrong and they're told they're off the case. You know, you're <laughs> turning your, turn your, your badge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but and then beyond that, they're so invested in the case now that they are able to set aside their differences and join forces uh, to handle things in the climactic finish. Uh, you know, it that you can think of so many different buddy cop films that go oh, yeah. through that no, same. It's, it's, it's formulaic. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And even adding like the big twist in this movie that you find out that the mysterious crime lord Jun Tao is actually the British guy from the beginning. That's only mildly shocking seeing as we barely knew that guy in the first place so yeah like, it's honestly kind of a boring twist it's like here's the like uh they were going through the checklist of buddy cop movies like okay we need a twist what's the twist uh this guy is this guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly and the thing is i i don't point all this out just to rag on the movie like i pointed this out because for the purpose of recognizing the plot for what it is, a stable enough platform for our stars to perform on. While a more compelling story would obviously be preferred, this story is interesting enough for us to get invested in what Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are up to for an hour and a half. You know, it mainly yeah. just gives them a place, like I said before, a, a place for them to do stuff together. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that they brought Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker together for this movie. They have such, like, on the surface, they're so different, but they kind of both exude this larger-than-life energy, and, like, Chan has these meticulous stunts, and Tucker is just, has this insane posturing that he's always around, but, like, this is great ingredients for a buddy cop movie. It's not just the different cultures, right? Um, It's the restraint shown by Chan's character and the spontaneity of Tucker, and then um, the other thing is that uh chris tucker is improvising his lines and jackie chan barely speaks english like 
yeah. I have this. I found this uh, this uh, piece of trivia on a, on a website um, uh, that I think is pretty interesting. I'll read this for you now. Uh, Jackie admitted that Chris stressed, stressed him out because he improvised his lines during every single take. Because his English was still quite weak, dialogue was the most difficult part for Chan. And it's a quote from him. If I turned the page of the script and saw another dialogue scene, the whole night I'd be unable to sleep, um, said Chan. Uh, it, I, had, I not only had to remember my lines, I have to remember Chris Tucker's lines. But every time, it's always a different dialogue with him. He's always making things up. That sounds pretty <laughs> frustrating, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was trying to look into more about... Because do you see the bloopers at the end? Yes, uh, they were so much fun. Yeah, the 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 one part where he uh, where Jackie Chan is making fun of Chris Tucker for only can't even saying three lines in in, <laughs> in Cantonese in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I had to memorize this whole movie basically, and you can't even say three words. And it's like, yeah, how difficult this is. I was trying to look into more how that was. There is there is one little aspect of that, but yeah, I, I, for as far as I can tell, that's just typical American ignorance. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Display. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, so. you know, like the culture clash goes beyond the screen, you know, it, yes. Jackie Chan really is a foreigner. Um, so it's really, yeah, I think it's really great that they did this in this way. Like it's, it's kind of the beauty of a movie like this that you could bring to very, what seemingly very different people into this, a movie and have them like work off each other um, so well. So it's it's a, a testament to a, a certain type of vision yeah and and while this movie we chose this movie because it's chris tucker like we wanted to do a series on chris tucker um jackie chan is always fun to watch and he is one of these guys who's like his like you said his energy is a great match for chris tucker's uh because you know obviously he's very different but he does have that kind of larger than life um it, 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 and I mean, if I can put it simply, he has that same aspect where it's like in a movie, he's still playing Jackie Chan, just exactly. like Chris Tucker is still playing Chris Tucker. Um, but like Jackie Chan, he's so talented with his stunts. And that's really one of the biggest things that he brings to any movie he's in. He's got parkour. He's got hand to hand fighting. Um, it's always all him. And that's mm -hmm. always impressive. Like watching those two shipping containers come crashing together and he like barely escapes that's awesome like just to see what he puts into these movies that's always something i appreciate it's why i love seeing him in basically anything he's in i think this movie actually could have benefited from longer fight scenes as well as less editing within the fight scenes um, yeah it it's still compared to a lot of action movies watching the fight scenes in rush hour blows them away because there is so much clearly choreographed clearly visible fighting going on but i've seen some of jackie chan's works in foreign foreign to us films um and he's capable of much more these long static shots where it's like you know a minute of straight up action yeah, yeah. without anything any even hint of camera tricks because jackie chan and his crew of fighters they're they're capable of doing it i read somewhere that um he holds the record for the shot that takes the most takes I can't remember what movie it was for, but basically he had, um, it like they they had filmed this part twenty nine hundred times um, <laughs> in order to get it right, which is insane. Yeah, his, so, his filmography is insane too. Oh like, my he's gosh, he's been so in so many, many movies. movies. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's been acting since he was he was little. Basically, right, right. I, yeah. I saw something on his Wikipedia where it's like he, I don't even know if it was recent, but they were like, there was a celebration for his 100th movie. Um, and it's just, you know, he, he really, 
He's a hardworking guy um, in, in movies. But like like I was saying, for Rush Hour, I think this movie could have benefited from more Jackie Chan fight scenes and longer, less edited. But remember, scenes. in our in our genre, we emphasized how American this movie is. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got- they, that kind of the style you see in this movie is very much an American fight scene type thing you know you get that flavor of martial arts in there with jackie chan and some of the goons and stuff who are fighting him um but a, a lot of it is just like let's shoot our guns at each other kind of thing you know? yes yeah it, again I, I do think that jackie chan's inclusion in this movie influences that big time especially mm-hmm. with their aversion to gun violence while there is plenty of gun shooting and you know that kind of uh you know classic action movie shoot-offs you also have a lot of whoops, all the guns are suddenly out of everybody's hands, and it's up to you know hand to hand combat at this point. Which yeah, yeah, I think it takes that whole idea of like the gun is just out of reach, like and, and, and moves it to a whole new level. I mean, that scene where they're fighting each other in the uh, in the restaurant, mm-hmm. um, is awesome, and it like you notice that there's barely any gunplay at all because the guns are constantly like be, like being tossed around the room. It's not until the end when someone comes in from farther away that 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 changes and then they have to leave the restaurant. Right. So like it's uh yeah, it's it's cool watching that uh, play out and how he he plays with the idea that there are guns but we're not going to use them. Right. Um, Cuz it would be scene. it would be unrealistic to be like you're in America with criminals and there's no guns. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> um it's so it's so much more fun to watch a fight scene because Jackie Chan can get punched in the face and thrown in through a, a, a table and you can realistically be like, he can get up from that versus a gun where it's like, you can only miss so many times. Like it, right. it, you can start to roll your eyes, especially at the um, the final scene where Jun Tao is shooting at Jackie Chan on the ladder, and it's like, man, this guy has terrible aim. This is so much like this is just stupid at this point, where you're just shooting your gun and just missing 100 percent of the times, like Star Wars accuracy. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah. So um, I I think that they did a good job of um, you know putting them in positions where hand to hand combat was. Uh, what we got to see instead of more shoot-offs where everyone is missing. And like uh, you were talking about earlier, how there was like, inconsistencies in the bullet holes and stuff. But I thought there was a couple of parts where they actually did a great job with that, where where they're they're running and then like they turn the corner and then there's like bullet holes behind them. Like that's like you know that shows how close it was. You know that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and there's definitely. that one part where he has a standoff with um, with Miles or whatever whatever his name is, uh, blonde uh, Asian guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Sang, he, uh, Sang was his name. Yeah, Sang. And he, you see the bullet hole behind Chris Tucker after he do- like dives down. It's like, oh, perfect. Like he, you saw that he had good aim, and Chris Tucker dodged it. You know, yes. like, that's clever. It's 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 uh, it's subtle, but it, it shows you everything you need to know. Well, I think that's a great segue to talk about the climactic finish and how I think it could have been better. Because, um, like you said, I actually think Chris Tucker versus Sang at the end. You would think that Sang versus. Uh, Jackie Chan would be the logical uh, conclusion because then they can do a bunch of fight scenes. But I actually think it's good to to switch it up and and have Chris Tucker and him with the kind of misdirect where now they're not a, a position where Chris Tucker has the opportunity to put down his gun and fight like a man. Yeah. Uh, but then neither of them are actually planning on doing <laughs> that. Good. And they pull the quick draw. I thought that was great. It was a hilarious way to finish it, especially because that's the kind of guy Chris Tucker is. He's definitely the kind he's of already, guy. He's already established that he has gun multiple guns on him. Yes. Remember, because <laughs> he gives the gun to Jackie Chan, he pulls, he distracts him, pulls out his other gun. <laughs> 
That was a hilarious scene too. The ending of the uh, just a quick divert from talking about the, the climax, but like the the part where Jackie Chan pretends he can't speak English, and then we have this long drawn out like many scenes go by where yeah. Chris Tucker thinks that Jackie Chan can't speak English, and then at the end, the when the taxi driver pulls a gun on them, he reveals that he actually can speak English, and you hear like the you know, like, the, like that sound, like uh, the music, yeah, yeah, the, the gong or whatever. Hilarious. Like, uh, I, I mean, obviously, I already knew that Jackie Chan could understand English, but I think that that was so well. Like, it was such a long, um, and it was it paid off super well. A very, very much a oh, laugh yeah, out loud fine. moment, um, especially because of the way that they were switching guns on each other beforehand. Yeah, and a lot of like the culture class stuff is is l- largely at Americans' expense, largely at Chris Tucker's expense. At, not because yes. of his like black culture, but because he's an American. Just Definitely. like being like. Like like loud and um, like obnoxious and like constantly like running into situations. You know, they're not necessarily not being brave, but just like kind of not thinking things through. As compared to Jackie Chan, is like very methodical with his stuff and everything. Um, so, like I I feel like that was that was really well done, just to like kind of poke fun at Americans, but in like a, but in a very like lighthearted way too. It was never never cut that deep. So. Right, right, right. It, and again, it's like it was only poking fun at Chris Tucker when he was being like clearly obnoxious or ignorant, you know, like yes. where he was like he was looking at this um, the noodles that they were getting from the Asian restaurant, and he was like, "This is greasy and bad." Before even tasting it, and then as soon as he tastes it, he's like, "This is good." And it's like, <laughs> yeah, maybe don't judge things before you try them, you know. Like it's <laughs> and again, it's not condescending like that. Uh, it's just. I think kind of realistic where they're like, yeah. you know, people do jump to conclusions, but look, if you give other cultures a chance, they can be awesome. Um, do which you is a understand solid... the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> which that line I think is more popular than it should be. Because <laughs> that is definitely a famous line from this movie. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it does eventually come back to bite him. And it obviously makes him look like a fool for assuming that yeah. just because he's a foreigner that Jackie Chan can't speak English. So I think that's great. But back to, back to the, uh, the, the end of the movie. So we we I I think that Sang versus Chris Tucker to finish it is great, and he even gets to like spout off a like catchphrase line, <laughs> or something like like wipe yourself wipe yourself off. You're yeah. dead, man. It's like okay, geez, like that is where did that even come from? Like Chris Tucker. The thing is, it's believable that Carter, the character, would say something like that <laughs> because he thinks everything's an action movie. Like he, he would think that it, even though everyone around him is dead, and <laughs> yeah, he's just talking to nobody. <laughs> but uh, so I like that. I like that finish. But I was really disappointed with um, Jun Tao versus Lee uh, for the finish because you know you get to see Lee doing some you know I guess somewhat exciting parkour to like climb up into the rafters to try to chase him down but he had c4 on him there was like potential for like jung tao was trying to get to the uh to the roof to allegedly escape on a helicopter right like there's potential there for a really climactic explosive finish that's right but they don't even set the c4 off i know it, it, it seems like it kind of just uh, they whiffed on it, and and it, it like Jun Tao 
tries to hit Jackie Chan with a bag of money and then it flips open, which does give you kind of a fun effect of money falling from the sky, but that's not good enough, you know? And then he, when that happens, he like (laughs) slips and falls off the railing. So it's like Jackie Chan didn't even defeat him. He kind of defeat gravity defeated him. (laughs) And then, you know, he falls a really long way, which is cool. Like I like that Chris Tucker has to save Jackie Chan in the end with the curtain or whatever, but this just really, really did not end the movie on the high note that I think we were all expecting. Oh, yeah. No, definitely, because they had all these explosions throughout. You know, they blew up I mean, that first part with Chris Tucker where they blow up the car. Oh, and uh, then he starts dancing like Michael Jackson. That was so, so good. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, they made a total mess. Two cops got shot. A city block is destroyed. He's dancing in the street. That's <laughs> uh, so funny, and then they blow up the the Chinese restaurant, which was great too. Like the like as soon as you see the fire in the kitchen, you're like, oh, this is gonna go badly. Yep. <laughs> and then um, yeah, and then they have the C four, uh, which they like they they play with it so much. Like at first it's on the on the girl, then Jackie Chan is wearing it and like playing around with it, and then they um then he brings it all the way up to the to the top, and he thinks he's gonna strap it to Jun Tao somehow or throw it onto the onto the helicopter, like. What's it? it Ch- Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's uh, uh, C4 vest. And it, and it, it, like the rule is like if there's a gun in, like in play, like then it's gonna go off at some point. Like right, that's right. so. Like why would you put all this together and not sh- shoot it off? And then like he falls into water too. Like that's like the perfect way for you to be like, oh, but he's not dead yet. You know, like like a final like um, right like one final push kind of thing where he like well, tries to get a jump on you and you have to, and like somebody has to do something crazy to get out of the way, you know, like they have to oh, yeah, the yeah. bullets or something. Or like, or, yeah, he, he tries to escape or something, but he still has a C4 on him. And then Chris Tucker is like, not so fast and, and blows he, like, him up or something. Or he like jumps in front of Jackie Chan and like and he, he gets shot, but he gets shot in like his, uh, his FBI badge or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. So sure, like, sure. like th- that's what you're expecting is like some sort of like final, like, especially since chris tucker says he's dead you know it's just like well you know he must not, not be dead yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was it was anticlimactic to have all that like to have him do that but again like he was like introduced late too so like it would have been more satisfying if they had like a better number two you know besides yeah. saying uh to fight so it just it, it yeah it definitely felt like they aimed too low and i wish that they had gone to something a little bit more you know stereotypical climactic scene you know Mm. um and i do i will say that the other rush hours don't have the same misstep they they finish (laughs) with big explosive finishes and it's great um that's why i was so again it's been so long since i've seen rush hour one but i was i couldn't i was like i forgot that this is the ending of it this is a little bit uh disappointing for me but it is the we are doing a chris tucker series and i think chris tucker gets his uh climactic finish there at the end so at least we have that um, okay, I think we're ready to move on to our cool Easter eggs. Uh, Joey, why don't you uh, tell us what you got? So this is these I got from IMDb. This is uh, one about uh, Jackie Chan. According to director Brett Ratner, this movie was the first movie to be released in the U.S. featuring Jackie Chan in an English-speaking role without any kind of dubbing. According to Ratner, before this movie, Chan always had his voice dubbed over in his English-speaking roles because of his uncertainty in speaking the language. For this movie, however... Ratner convinced him to forego the dubbing as it would lend to an authenticity with his character. And it does. I mean, he's, he's good. I like, um, he, uh, he doesn't have, he doesn't speak nearly as much as, uh, Carter does, but it's, uh, he's so like, you know, he, in the movie, throughout the movie, he's very like 
thoughtful and like very uh, kind of measured in his approach and stuff like even at the beginning when you see him on the boat and everything he's like you know he's grabbing he's like a ninja he's grabbing people out of uh out of doorways and like you know it's only up to the very mi last minute where he like threatens him with a gun and they get away anyway um and so he like to have him kind of have be more slow paced with his speech um definitely fits with his character and it kind of lends to that whole like oh i'm you know i'm not from here kind of thing um but his english is still good enough that you can understand everything he says so yeah i agree i actually read on wikipedia that jackie chan doesn't really like rush hour because or like the first rush hour because he doesn't think his english is very good in it um and you know he's and he also he says he respects the commercial success of the film but I think that um, he's being too hard on himself. I think he did fine. Um, and again, like you said, it lends to the authenticity of the character that he has some difficulty. But even then, I didn't think it was hard to understand. I also think it's great that they had the opening scene be in a foreign language because um, I could definitely see a movie like this that's not taking itself too seriously, not too worried about being in the realm of reality, having the opening scene, having a bunch of foreigners who speak perfect English because, or, or speak English with a a Chinese accent yeah because that would make it easier for Americans to understand I, I like it's a very low bar to clear but I do think that it's great that they actually went with subtitles uh, and they didn't the actually like, translate everything I mean because I was watching with the subtitles too and that some of the things some of the parts are just like speaks Chinese <laughs> yes which I think is great too because it, it adds to the mystery um like w when they were in uh when they were in the upstairs of the restaurant a lot of that is not translated which is great because Chris Tucker there and he doesn't speak right uh, what the, the language they're speaking so he uh wouldn't understand either although i love when he walked up there and he's like what y'all watching <laughs> they're watching the security cams oh man he's got such great lines um but um yeah i think that especially because jackie chan goes on after this to do great in other american films like one of the, the classics from my childhood is around the world in 80 days and yes. he speaks english in that and maybe that wouldn't have happened if he wasn't brave enough to you know start doing his roles without dubbing so i think that i think that goes over really well i mean it's possible that he had a lot of trouble in the takes you know i mean going through the script and and taking many takes in order to get English right which would have been frustrating and stuff but you can't tell that when you're just watching the movie and he just seems like a a, a fluent English speaker you know right um okay another one uh the this film rush hour inspired the creation of the website rotten tomatoes the site founder say dong is a big uh Jackie Chan fan and built the website to collect reviews for all of Chan's Hong Kong uh films as they were being released in the US he coded the site in two weeks, putting it up shortly before the release of, his, of this film, Rush Hour. Um, and Rotten Tomatoes is now one of the most notable sources of movie reviews, and its tomato meter rating is used to judge the film's success and used in advertising and award promotions, which is true. Very cool. That is, that is a insanely cool Easter egg. Like, like That is the type of thing where it's like, that's worth reviewing a movie just to be able to say, like, the movie that birthed Rotten Tomatoes. You sure. Know? Like, uh, because it is so influential. Although, like like we do on this show, like don't trust the, the tomato meter. Make your own decisions. There well, are plenty of movies that are bad or rated badly that are good. The tomato meter is not what you should be looking at exactly. If you're trying to see if the movie is good or not, like it's it's a misconception. On Rotten Tomatoes, there's two there's two scores, um, and one of them is like the odd like not the audience score but one of them one of them is like the critics review which is like the tomato meter which is the percentage that is the number of 
uh, that is the percentage of critics that like the movie. Um, but there's another score under that where it says average rating, and that's out of 10. And that is what the, the critics gave it out of 10. So um, that means that's not the number of people that liked it. That's the average score, basically. And that gives you a better understanding of where it falls in a scale of 1 to 10, if that, if that makes sense. So and looking at the percentage gives you an idea of how many people liked it. Looking at the, the average rating gives you an idea of how good the movie is, according to those people who rated it. I would even go a step further just to say that in general, you, like on the show, we like to encourage you to make your own opinions. So like, yeah, obviously you can use it as a resource, but, um, you know, movies are so uh, subjective that you should trust yourself to make that opinion and not just go, oh, well, there, it's a below a certain rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I can't see it's just not good. You know? It's oh, just, yeah, yeah. One of the like one of the most interesting things to talk to ask people is like, what's your favorite movie that has it's like critically unacclaimed, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. what's the movie that you like that everyone else doesn't like? Um, and a great way to like, to, I think Rotten Tomatoes is a great way to kind of assess that. Like, oh, let's look look up a movie that I think is great, and you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, and people don't like it. Like, ah, oh, well, now I got a piece of trivia about myself. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, that's so much more interesting. And and like you only get that way if you actually make that decision yourself so yeah and also it's really good to make the distinction like you just did about what the tomato meter actually is because i absolutely hate seeing commercials where they're like rated 100 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes i'm like okay meaningless like <laughs> get out of my face with that like, especially when it's like nobody's seen it yet so yeah. it's like what one of one liked it 100 percent right. fresh you know they say it like it's some sort of like, it works uh, though because people believe it people like, yeah, of course under, they, they people do. think it's, they understand what it means it's the number one movie in america or critics <laughs> rave you know all these things are so meaningless and and i hope that people who listen to this podcast understand that um you know it's more important that you make your own decisions and decide for yourself if a movie's good or not because um critics rave it does not mean a thing it, you they'll get one writer from the you know from people magazine who says like this is the best star wars yet and and they'll pretend like that means something it absolutely does not um unless of course they're quoting us in which case it's they're 100 percent right because yeah. we're always right <laughs> Honestly, Glad we made that distinction yeah <laughs> um um okay i got one more um so in the movie uh the uh the fbi director uh or the lead fbi agent on the case Warren? tells yeah, tells Chris Tucker that his his uh, portion of the um, of the investigation is G fourteen classified, and I looked this up, and it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but that's exactly what they would say if it did mean something. It's oh. if, if it's so classified that it doesn't show up on Google. Oh I don't my know, gosh! Pretty classified to me. That's hilarious. <laughs> confirmed. Confirmed. It's a real confirmed. Thing. The most classified. Um, okay, so. I have a few Easter eggs as well. Uh, the first one is that this movie cost about $35 million to make, and it raked in $244.4 million worldwide. Wow. Like, hugely commercially successful, and um, a lot of that was because of Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, who made boatloads off of this um movie series like it's almost obviously they've both been in other things and made money other ways but a lot of their like their success in their career can be attributed to the rush hour series which i think is really cool it um, is really cool it's a very much a beloved series especially since um, it's it is solid so like you know, yeah 
Like, yeah. it's nice to see that. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it's, you know, like Jackie Chan said, he doesn't really like the first one, but um, it is something that I think that they can both be proud of and that they were justly rewarded for um, because they are such a big part of its success. I wouldn't, I don't think there's many actors that you could replace them with and have the same kind of success. Um, do you think that a movie like this has commercial viability today? Uh, yeah, I, definitely. Like, um, just depending on who the actors are. But um, I think that if you could find that similar transcendent level where it's not, you know, this person as Carter and this person as Lee, where it's like it's literally Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Um, right. You know, if you could find that same kind of star power, I'm sure you could. Um, yeah. But I, like, I don't know, like the rest of the movie is so formulaic, right? Like it all falls into into line so easily. It, it, it hits all the same beats as every other buddy cop movie right. um, that any movie that comes out that's like this or, or falls into that formula is, is almost, it becomes a statement at that point, right? It, a lot of those movies that come out today that are like this are, um, are kind of playing with the genre, you know, and, and making it the kind of its own thing. I'm thinking of like Starsky and Hutch with Ben Stiller and Owen oh. Wilson. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Like it, like obviously they were remaking like the old thing, but like, it's all very tongue in cheek in a way, you know, it's all very like referential and like, Oh, now it's time for us to do this thing, you know? And, right. um, like it, 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 and if you do something that's even like this, it becomes a commentary on itself of like, what are they trying to say? Like, cause it's, it gets too meta real quick because it's so such a, such a well-worn road. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I guess what I'm trying to imagine is like, I could see the possibility of two different stars who are similarly different from each other, but also have their own thing that they always bring. But it's sure. like who and what, like I, I'd have to say, would think that be about enough? It. You know? Right. Well, because the thing is you'd have to find somebody who brings something as different as Jackie Chan fighting slash parkour, but it's not Jackie Chan fighting slash parkour. Like it has to be <laughs> something else. And it's like, what could that even possibly be? Um, and I agree, like doing it on a plot that's as formulaic as this one, may not work because if like um thinking about like the other guys which is a buddy cop movie but it's so different from buddy cop movies because it subverts the genre it's like yep. that works because of the subversion which is the opposite of what they're doing here so yeah i think that's a good question um i think it would be tough to try and you would have to have like really the same level of talent um, but I don't know how you would match it or who that would actually be there was that one that came out recently i think it was with cal penn and dave batista uh stuber that was oh, like yeah that was like a um uh i don't know if it was buddy cop necessarily but it was like a buddy film where they were like two very different people that were working together for something you know right. and even that is like um i mean it's a very like there's two very different actors uh come from different kind of roles and everything but it's still like it's still like hitting that same formulaic thing and it didn't do that well either i mean that was something that i saw um because uh I, I, I hate read these articles about how um, Hollywood woke culture doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, you go woke, go broke. Yes. And that yeah. was their argument was that this movie is too woke and that's why it failed. Right. Um, which is a ridiculous argument. But um, uh, it, uh, it, I, it, it didn't do well. And I think it's partly because it, it stuck to that formula and it didn't move outside of it so much. You know, it just relied on this power of two different people. Yeah, I, well, and, and I love Dave Batista. don't get me wrong, but I don't, and maybe this is just personal opinion, but I don't think that they match the level of star power that Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan bring. And, and again, it's like retrospect. Like, I'm saying this 
post three rush hour movies as well mm-hmm. as other iconic roles for the both of them so um you know it's easy for me to say this now but it, it, yeah it's just hard to match that same um i keep using this word but star power that absolutely uh, chris tucker and jackie chan bring and maybe I, like I, you know how they always people are saying like you know, there's there are, aren't any more like movie stars in the same sense that there used to be like maybe you don't have these kind of actors anymore that you can rely this much on to just be like carry the entire movie by just being yourself um so i don't know i think it's a good question i don't really see uh an obvious answer to like who could be the next rush hour although when i was looking up the posters for this movie and i was looking at rush hour one rush hour two rush hour three i did see that somebody made a rush hour four movie poster with eddie murphy uh Mm. in there and it was like some rumor they're like jackie chan because apparently jackie chan did say in 2017 that he would do another rush hour movie but they were like, could it be with Eddie Murphy? <laughs> I was like, that seems like just a racist thing to say because it's like, we'll just get another funny black actor. Like it's, I, I think that the reason Rush Hour works is because it's Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan specifically. Yes. Um, no, no shade at Eddie Murphy, but um, no, he's that, so different to this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough, and it's hard to picture it without any really good examples. Um, and I don't really have yeah. anything on top of my head. Um, but especially since like a lot of our quote unquote movie stars are all like superhero movie, like superheroes, yes. you know, and that's all, they're all like strong white guys, you know, like they don't really, and they're like, who take themselves seriously. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like move. It, it's not that different. You know, there's no, there's nobody out there like who's doing something very like who's doing something as different as Jackie Chan and Tris Tucker are from each other. Um, at least not in that sphere. You know, uh, so like you'd either have to sacrifice for your star power um, and find someone who's not in that superhero realm um, or you'd have to find someone and find someone who's more talented or you'd have to match two people who've already probably been in a movie together because they're all Marvel superheroes. Right, right. <laughs> no, it's it's so true. It's just the, the different landscape at this point with, uh, you know, uh, actors. So I, I, I guess... This is like so such a like uh, nostalgic take or like a I like the past is better kind of take, but like I yeah I guess I don't think that they they could redo this kind of movie um, because I don't know who would be in it. Yeah, uh, but at least we have three of these, so we can you know. <laughs> we just watch these on repeat forever. Yeah, we'll keep those. Yeah, if we want to get this feeling, we've got it. Um, okay, another uh, Easter egg. After Chris Tucker shoots um, Chris Penn's car, his name is Clive in the movie, but that does not matter. His he's <laughs> nice guy Eddie from Reservoir Dogs. He starts <laughs> dancing like Michael Jackson, and this is one of my favorite parts of the movie, just because it's so like totally unconstrained Chris Tucker like him first off driving horribly into the parking lot and like cussing out all the other drivers who are you know obeying the rules of the road uh it leads to this explosion like we talked about uh he starts dancing uh like Michael Jackson and following three years following the release of this movie Tucker actually appeared uh with Michael Jackson in the music video uh of his song You Rock My World uh and he's he performs more Michael Jackson impressions in Rush Hour's sequels. And this is actually, I had no idea about this until shortly, uh, like not that long ago. And Chris Tucker plays himself in that song too. Like he, he actually (laughs) is the, like he's in the intro where him and Michael Jackson are like, I don't know, making 
you know, googly eyes at some attractive woman and Chris Tucker is like, like, Michael, you can't get that girl. You cannot get that girl. And Michael's like, I can do it. You know, and like, <laughs> it's just still more Chris Tucker. And it's another situation similar to this where it's like, what if we did, like, what if we made something with Chris Tucker and Michael Jackson, you know? <laughs> and, like, that's all you need is just throw Chris Tucker in he's there. Like, he's like peanut butter. You're like, we'll just keep <laughs> trying it with other things. Yes. <laughs> it's, that's really what it's like. And the, the music video is, you know, it, it's kind of, it has a story, but not really. Like, it's kind of like Michael Jackson's girl gets, like, abducted by the mob or something. And him and Chris Tucker have to go in there and beat up the mobsters with dance moves and, and like, burn the place down or something like that. And it's great, and everybody loves it. So um, I think it's amazing. When I first heard this song, You Rock My World, I, I know I've heard it before, but I had never heard it with like the Chris Tucker intro. Um, and it's it's hilarious. It's everything you want out of Chris Tucker being featured in a Michael Jackson song. Um, and it's, it's interesting to think that it may have been influenced by his just – Michael Jackson dance move inclusion in this movie. Right, right. Yeah. Just like spontaneously doing that in this movie, like led to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, And finally, (laughs) one more um, Easter egg I have for us. So while Jackie is outside of the Chinese restaurant waiting for Chris Tucker to return, uh, where he tells him, just pretend like you're from out of town. And he's like, but I am from out of town. (laughs) Um, Two (laughs) tourists ask Jackie for direction to Roscoe's uh, House of Chicken and Waffles. And in the movie Jackie Brown, this is the same restaurant that Samuel L. Jackson uses to lure Chris Tucker into the truck of his car before shooting him. And I actually went back mm. and rewatched the scene while I was researching for this uh, episode. And uh, like everything else that they're talking about, like they have connections as characters. Chris Tucker owes Samuel L. Jackson for bailing him out of jail. But the thing that gets him is he like describes this delicious like meal at Roscoe's house of chicken and waffles. And that's what finally gets <laughs> Chris Tucker to climb into the trunk. Uh, <laughs> and it, I just thought that was like a fun little connection because, uh, it's funny and, and in that like three minute scene from Jackie Brown, I've seen Jackie Brown, but it, it's been a while. Um, he's still just Chris Tucker. <laughs> he's like, come on, man, I'm not getting in that truck. You know, like it's, it's just more of him and, and it's perfect that that's who he is. You know, like that's why, again, I just want to echo this. This is why we wanted to do a Chris Tucker series because you have to see Chris Tucker, multiple movies to realize that he's always Chris Tucker. And that's what makes him so great. That's what makes him so transcendent. Um, so yeah, just another example, just a little dot we can connect there between Jackie Brown perfect. and, uh, that's perfect. and Rush Hour. Now let's move on to songs. Let's talk about songs. And uh, while this movie, I, I actually really liked the kind of um, like soundtrack of the movie that included background music that kind of mixed sure. the American, more traditional action movie soundtrack with something that sounded a little bit more foreign. I think that went over really well. Um, but I do want to pinpoint the song War by Edwin Starr that was kind of used as the bridge, the cultural bridge that was um, able to really bring our characters together uh, when they were staking out the restaurant. This scene is so full of joy and, you know, companionship and brotherhood, and it's just so much fun to watch them dance together. Um, like, it, it, it's definitely the type of thing where they're not worried about looking silly, or at least Jackie Chan isn't. This is something Chris Tucker would normally do, but uh, yes. I, I just, I, I just thought that was, there's so much good feelings in that scene. Yeah, and it's, it's like, it's fun because, like, it's certainly a mo- uh, like they talk about songs earlier in the movie, and uh, Jackie Chan loves the Beach or Lee loves the Beach Boys, um, and Carter 
I appreciate like he's like a big hip hop guy. So like this movie or this song, like the fact that Jackie Chan or Lee's character or yeah, whatever his <laughs> name is, <laughs> Jackie Chan's character Lee recognizes the song and sings along with it, like bridges that makes that first step on bridging that gap between them. And that's where they start to make that connection to each other and they're having a good time together. Um, and that's, 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 it feels natural up to a point. Um, and it's, you know, it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So. And I think that the, um, like the kind of the way they influence each other is really easy to accept. Like it's like Jackie Chan learns a little bit more about American culture and learns like kind of what's cool over here. Um, and then Chris Tucker learns something that's actually like way more useful, which is how to be better at being a cop, <laughs> like how to take somebody's gun and like, yeah. He's, what did he say at the end? You didn't know I could do that. Did you? Yeah. That was <laughs> such a good payoff. You you knew that's what they were setting up. It was such an obvious setup, yes. but the, the way they do it was so funny. And again, it's like, all you have to do is rely on Chris Tucker is to, to make it movie magic. Um, so I thought that was a great scene. The type of scene that made it's the type of scene I remember helping me to fall in love with the rush hour series where i'm like i love yes. seeing this kind of like just togetherness and unity um in a movie like this so yes. i i really love that scene and war is a great song to do it too um okay so let's move on to our quotable moments and um we were talking about this before we started recording but this movie is full of great lines but we try to resist the urge to just laugh <laughs> you know we want to have something actually to say <laughs> right um Laugh, you said laughing is encouraged. Yeah, but. laughing is encouraged on the podcast, <laughs> but it can't be the yeah. only thing we do. So um, if you want to hear the hilarious lines in this movie, obviously just watch it again. It's great. But uh, there is one line that really caught my ear, and I'm going to play it for you right here. It's from the uh, scene where Jackie Chan is waiting for Chris to finish his quote-unquote shakedown of his friends that you know are doing illegal activities behind the bar. And um, Jackie Chan says this to the bartender. What's up, my nigga? What did you just say? What's up, my nigga? Okay, so I think that this is just another example of, you know, culture shock where Jackie Chan does not know what he's really saying. He's just trying to fit in. Um, and that has comedic value. You could do that with so many different lines. And this is, I think, in 1998. Is, is that correct? Um, when this movie came out? Um, 1998, yes. this is just another example of that, I think. But in 2020, this line is shocking <laughs> to hear from our, uh, you know, our more restrained of the two, Jackie Chan. And um, I, I don't know. In my opinion, if Rush Hour is being made in 2020, this line is not in the movie. Sure. Um, I don't know. Like, it's it's so... It's such a easy thing to for comedy in a way, you know. It's like one group of people can say this, another group of people cannot, and like, and to and like in one context coming out of one person's mouth, it is a friend. It's a, it's a friendly hello. And another person's mouth, it's a horrible slur. Like that it kicks becomes, off a it, fight scene. <laughs> it's so easy, like as a as like fodder for comedy in that way, and I think in. If you look at this in full context, it's it's not meant it's not meant as disparaging, right? He doesn't say it in a way that's like demeaning or anything. He's trying to be, fit in and trying to be friendly, and that has horrible consequences in a way. So, 
maybe you're right that it would like it wouldn't fare so well in today's climate being like you know just just never say it in a way but i think like it doesn't i don't know it doesn't offend i don't think because it's not a it's not he's not using it as a slur right he doesn't use the hard r right it's all very it's it's all very cordial in that moment or intentional to be cordial but of course like it's not interpreted that way so I, just, I don't know. I I only I, I think it's fine. It's just it, you know I don't know if it's a joke that I would write. <laughs> I don't think it's a joke that uh, someone maybe today would write. But I don't think it. I don't think it falls into that you know bucket of. Uh, as a white guy, I can say that it doesn't it doesn't offend me. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's the thing. Like, it's not really our place to, to judge or anything. I just think it's interesting the difference because I think in today's culture, a lot of times people find out you've ever uttered that word, you're immediately you know, cast aside, you know, and I, and I feel like that would be an overreaction to Jackie Chan in this scene. Um, and it's, yeah, well, it's all about context. You know, it's all about, it, it is all about this like surrounding fixture that we put ourselves in. Right. And, you know, you put like, I don't know, it is kind of cringy to watch, like, oh, he's going to say it, isn't he? And you're just like, Urgh. right. Just because he <laughs> says like, it twice. Like he like <laughs> repeats himself slower. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, but I don't know. It's it's just so um, I don't know. It's so innocent in its delivery, you know, that it makes it feel more authentic. Right. And again, yeah, I'm not I'm not bringing this up to like start some sort of like campaign to cancel Jackie Chan. Um, I just think it was everything else in this movie. Um, I think works so well. Or not even that it, this doesn't work, but it's just everything else. I feel like uh, ages so well that this is like so different. Um, well, there's a there's a few things that don't. I mean, there's that one scene where he accidentally like grabs Johnson's boobs through oh, her yeah. vest, which is like apparently a reference to some other movie that he was in. But like that was that was weird. Yeah. Um, and and it was, it was weird for a number of reasons. First of all, you can't even see like you can't see any part of her chest. Yeah, it was it was like the safest vest. boob grab ever. Like it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's like and then it's like why even have that in there? It was so it's so uncomfortable. And then there's like yeah, Johnson does not get like justice for yeah, Johnson. Actually, she gets disparaged many times. It's in definitely movie worth bringing because up. she's a woman. Yeah, and it's like yeah. her inclusion is almost a token inclusion because it's like oh, we yeah. had to have. I don't even know why you would need this, but like, like, to, what is your angle? It's like, what do you got to sell toys? We got to have like the, the, <laughs> the, the one woman in the movie. Like her inclusion yeah. is so minuscule, where she's the bomb person, and that's it. You know, it's like we barely get to see her when she shows up in the final scene. It's almost surprising. It's like, wait, is this a trio now? And then <laughs> it's really not. You know, she does this one wire cut, and that's it. Yeah, and it's which was like set up well and i'm glad that they brought that in i like i i was okay with her inclusion in that part and they, how much they set that up but it, like the way that chris tucker talks to her is so like yeah uh, it's uncomfortable in the least but it's all it's just like right like yeah. asking her what color her panties are on the phone which again i i do think that chris tucker is made to look like an ass in that situation, especially cause she hangs up on him and you get to see yeah. him. Like he doesn't even say anything like, Oh, she's a bitch or anything like that. He just like looks at his phone, like <laughs> kind of disappointed. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, but it, while this movie is supposed to be a buddy cop movie, it's supposed to be a duo. I don't think we needed to like include, like to say like, it's not a good movie unless there's also a woman uh, included in that mm. to make it a trio. Um, it was just an odd amount of Johnson included in this movie where it's kind of like, is she a peripheral character or is she one of the main characters? Um, and she definitely didn't get 
I don't think enough she, screen time. She's at her best when she's making fun of him. Yes. And like, and like, <laughs> when, when she hangs up the phone on him uh, after he gets the, yeah, I guess you found your partner. Right? Yeah, that was a good line. Right, and I, that was hilarious. Um, that's what I like the best from her. When she had the upper hand, uh, when when she like becomes part of this trio and like is helping him out just to help him out, like I don't know, it was less compelling to me. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think we could have just left her out of the final scene, and it would have been okay. Like, she's just another one of the cops of the LAPD. Like, she doesn't need to. I don't know. It wasn't really a problem, but I just thought it was an odd amount of Johnson. Sure. It's another aspect of the movie that doesn't necessarily age well. Yeah. Okay, Joey, I believe you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper. I got a couple of different things I want to talk about, about Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan's stunts. Um, so th- this is from uh, Wikipedia. Uh, they were talking about uh, his style compared to Bruce Lee. Uh, and I have a quote from here now. Chan created his screen persona as a response to the late Bruce Lee and the numerous imitators who appeared before and after Lee's death. Lee's characters were typically stern, morally upright heroes. In contrast, Chan plays well-meaning, slightly foolish regular men, often at the mercy of their friends, girlfriends, or families, who always triumph in the end despite the odds. Additionally, he has stated that he deliberately styles his movements to be the opposite of Lee's, where Lee held his arms wide, Chan holds his tight to the body, where Lee was loose and flowing, Chan is tight and choppy. Despite the success of the Rush Hour series, Chan has stated that he's not a fan of it, since he neither appreciates the action scenes in the movie, nor understands American humor. Which, come on, man. Uh, and again, I like. I guess I just want to bring back, like, if you take a look at some of his other work that is um, more, you know, his style and where the entire movie is Jackie Chan, you can see that there's a pretty big difference. And it almost seems like you're, you got like the training wheels version of what he's truly great at doing on mm. screen. So I can understand that to a certain extent, but also, come on, Lee, like, it's, ja- <laughs> it's rush hour. Like, everybody loves it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I think this it actually goes a little further. I found this um, this this blog entry um, from Basil Marine Chase at WordPress.com um, called "Bits and Pieces: Fight Choreography as Philosophy," uh, comma Jackie Chan. It's mm. it's very interesting. Um, he says uh, from from the blog. One thing I've noticed about Jackie Chan's choreography, he keeps his own unscripted mistakes on screen. Obviously, there are many that can't be kept. The unintentional hits and misses highlighted in pain- painful gag reels he shares during his credits. Yet, when Jackie uh, starts to kick too early and has to adjust, or adds a needless extra step or miscued uh, move, he'll keep it. These are minor, minor imperfections, corrections, and hesitations, but there are enough to give in his choreography for all its acrobatics and complexity in every man feel. And he goes on to talk about how this is how Jackie Chan purposely styles himself as someone who makes mistakes, where his his uh, his opponents, his villains, never make mistakes. Um, and they like he says that they represent an unassailable perfection, intimidating uh, because they don't miss a step. And he he goes on to like uh, kind of make this connection between this style and Buddhism. And says that in Buddhism, there's this idea that once you per, once you achieve perfection, you immediately lose it because the moment you achieve perfection, you realize you reached reach perfection, and you become aware of it, and you stop doing the thing perfectly because you become too aware of it. So, it, like what 
what this does is it kind of gives this idea of like they perfectly go after Jackie Chan, but in that moment, they also falter and that gives Jackie Chan this immediate ability to overcome. And and that's also powerful too, because as he overcomes, he's 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 not the perfect person going up against imperfect people. He's the imperfect person fighting against perfect people. And this goes back to what I was talking about earlier about how he's always constantly grasping for stuff. He always looks so desperate, you know, even though he's totally in control of the situation that that control allows him to create these uh, scenes that make him look like he's constantly at odds or constantly going to be shot or whatever. And it, it gives him this idea that he's not in control and it makes you root for him even more because you want to have him overcome in every single moment, uh, which is so powerful. That's the thing that's so so great about watching him on screen is that in most other martial arts like movies and stuff, the you see the heroes kind of like play with their their prey, right? And like like constantly trying to outmatch them and constantly like coming up like maybe coming up short occasionally, but eventually overpowering them and getting to what they need to do. But for Jackie Chan, it's almost like he gets lucky every time, and he's like constantly like just barely out of reach you know and and it and it's only in the last moments that he ever gets to that last bit um and that and that like lends the story so much too um the other thing is like he also like builds and uses the environment around him you know playing with the vase and stuff i think that's so cool oh my gosh yeah Um, the whole thing when with the uh in the billiards thing which we're just referencing uh in the pool hall like he's using the sticks and everything he's using the 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 pool balls and everything he's like he's constantly at odds and like oh wait i have to reach around for something to to grab in order to get out of this you know i'm constantly like not uh constantly out of my element um and he has to use the tools around him in order to do that and it makes it seem so much more like uh uh, improvised or like um, unintentional or like um, like he's uh, he's so much more I don't know what, what's the word um, like uh, will it, I can't remember what the word is it's on the tip of my tongue um, intuitive uh, not, not intuitive uh, like uh, like scrappy just kind of like um, resourceful yes resourceful that's what I'm thinking of so yeah I think it's it's, it's really cool and this, this blog entry was, re- was really well written it's very interesting how he connects these things that's cool. Um, we'll link to that in the description. Definitely. I, I totally agree. And, and again, I think that Rush Hour does it well. But if you see, like, the, what I'm speaking on is things I've seen on Reddit where people will post videos of, like, check out this amazing Jackie Chan fight scene. And it's like, yeah. I don't know what the movie is like. But to see some of the stunts that he's able to pull off and the long choreography that is able to come together and some of the amazing things he does where you see, like, the environment being destroyed around him and, you know, fighting with, like, unconventional weapons like he uses a stool in this one and and things like that where he's able to turn his environment into weapons like nobody does it like jackie chan and it's so visceral so real um it's impressive every single time and um that's why i never get tired of it it's really Um, impressive it's so i can't like i can't ever get over how much he uses the environment to tell a story while he's fighting you know yeah and it's so uh, it's so much different than anything else you see, but it, it has almost its own unique style to it. Um, and, it, and he's obviously so fluid in his movements and everything that it just it's beautiful to watch at the same time. Well, and one of the things I really appreciate about Rush Hour is the way that Jackie Chan is able to bring Chris Tucker into that fight, even if it's only for a little bit and if yeah. only if it's for something that's not quite as impressive as the usual technicality of it. But the scene when they're upstairs in the restaurant and they're holding hands and like pulling each other back and forth to be able to beat up guys. I loved it. That was euphoric for me. I was yes. just like, ah, oh, yeah, <laughs> look, he's showing him how it's done. And like now they're really buddies, you know, to be able to fight back now, to back. This like that. is rush hour. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
you really you said it all with that with that one sentence joey um okay i think we're nearing the end of this episode and as we do at the end of every episode it's time for us to deliver our ratings uh joey do you want to go first i'll go first yes i give this movie seven to nine thirty a.m and seven and three to seven p.m <laughs> wait is that when it's on on your local cable channel <laughs> that's rush hour in LA. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's good. I give this movie two amazing sequels that are also nice. worth watching if you enjoyed this movie. Um I yeah, this is one of my favorite uh series. Um yeah, Rush Hour is just the best. Joey, we're not done talking about Chris Tucker. This episode may be nearing its end, but we oh. are absolutely not done are you, talking about Are you about tired Chris of Chris Tucker? Well, too bad, because we're still talking about him. That's right. What's <laughs> next in our Chris Tucker series? Uh, the next one we're doing is Friday. Friday, a classic. Have you ever seen it? No. Oh, this is going to be good. I love Friday. I've seen it many times. Chris Tucker is a big reason why I love it, but it's also a lot more to love about that movie than just chris tucker so it, i'm really excited to talk about that with you next on affable chat uh, you you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you listen to us make sure you leave us a review it really does help us grow um, also spotify i forgot to mention we're also spotify <laughs> you can reach us on <laughs> twitter instagram and tiktok at affable chat uh, or you can send us an email affable chat at gmail.com we also have a YouTube channel where we upload videos about other things that are the movies. It's called Affable Chat. You can also catch Affable Chat live on Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Affable Chat. We did recently reach affiliate status. We have this status. It's called wow. affiliate. And uh, <laughs> it, it means we're really taking things seriously over there on Twitch. You can catch us live every week, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And I've been saying this to many people. A lot of people have actually told me this, that they think mm. the best way to talk to us personally is to join the chat every Tuesday night and, uh, you know, give us your questions. Give us your comments. We love to hear from you. Yes, Twitch is really putting the chat in affable chat. It's true. It's so true. Um, so definitely check that out. 7 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash affable chat. Um, I really enjoyed talking about Rush Hour. I'm really glad we finally got to talk about this one. It's been one of my favorites for a while. And um, I'm looking forward to continuing our crusade through uh, Chris Tucker. Uh, Chris Tucker's filmography. Yes. <laughs> Next week. But that's going to do it for this episode. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.